Hello and welcome to Chats in a Pickle, a podcast where we cover non-struck work in the realm of pop culture. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the seasons to my ages, the spring to my yesterday, the Nehru to my furore. It's Magellan. The chocolate to my milk, the cheek to my butt. I Look, I didn't have a good response ready. That's what came to my mind. On take um, four? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's fine. That's fine. Welcome. Anyway. Super It'd be pretty hard to have a butt without a cheek. I'm just saying that. What would a butt without a cheek even look like? I think it would look a little something like this. <laughs> and then we do a 30-minute just like mind-numbing skit about that. <laughs> We're hemorrhaging listening. Yeah. <laughs> Oy, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another one of these. You know, I was, think- I was thinking about this. Uh, I think... What? <laughs> Sorry, I'm teasing you on the fucking on your intro. I'm so rude. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I interrupt myself. Um, now I was thinking about this earlier. How much the chats in the pickle season has kind of changed my life in in certain ways. I mean, yeah, it's got me playing Baldur's Gate three. It's got me. I'm gonna be going <laughs> to play playing D and D at a local uh, at a local board game store pretty soon. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's fantastic. Just, it's extremely cool. I just have a lot of appreciation for the pickle aid that we made out of pickles here. Did it's I true. eat a pickle? I think I had a pickle. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was it with? What was it with? It was with a Love. sandwich. There was some context where I got a pickle with a sandwich. Mm. You're pastrami? I don't remember. No, I just can't remember it. But I did recently have a, a little bit of a spear. Oh. oh, oh! I remember. What the I fuck? went on a, I went on like a camping trip to like a summer campsite with my students, and there was some food in the chow hall. There was like a burger time, and there was a pickle. <laughs> so you actually have to tell okay. me all about that camping trip later. I forgot to ask you about that. Oh, it was a blur. I Absolute oh, blur. Blur. Okay. Blurdy yeah, pickle, deeds. Pickle check done. Blur cheap. Uh, pickle checky. Uh, yes, actually, I didn't have any more of the Klaus and Spears from my home, but uh, this past weekend I visited friend and contributor to the podcast Six Step Mar in California, along with uh, Garner Richard co-host Nixies, and Six served us on the first day um, eggs Benedict with a mustard hollandaise and some Klaus and not Spears. But like the mini pickles, you know, the ones that are like the canned tiny pickles. Sorry, I thought that was a rhetorical question. Yes, I do. Of course you do. Those are the, the yeah, the they're the so good. Tiny pickles. Yeah. I might like them more I than those. I like uh, the spears. Ooh, okay. But the thing okay. is, the spears are way better for like putting in food, right? You don't put the tiny pickles in your, you eat the tiny pickles, but you put Yeah, the, the tiny pickles, pickles are very situational, very situational. Yeah, but the big pickles are just like you want you want to make a meal, you want a quick bite, you can use these for everything. Right. That's my pickle check. I did it. I passed. I'll be mm-hmm. in more spirits this week. Don't worry everyone. I feel like that took ages. The seasons have been changing around me. Oh my gosh. When I got back to mass, I did feel the like chill of fall starting and it was the new season and it mm. again because I took a, a red eye fl- I said again this was to Magellan before pod. I took a red eye flight. It was it felt it felt like ages had gone by. Like I lost my sense of time mm. from traveling at night. Maybe it's cuz I was up on a stump waving my rod around. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you mean that you were on a a, a hole uh, playing your harp around. Is that what you mean? Hmm. Hole? There's there there are holes in your game. It's the I think it's the same thing. It's not a stump though. It's like a thing on the floor. Let's let's talk about Sheesh, what we're talking about, about before it. we let's go talk any about further. What we're talking about before we talk about what we're talking about. So, my pickle this week, folks, is uh, a pair of games: The Legend of Zelda: Oracle of Ages and The Legend of Zelda: Oracle of Seasons. Um, Can I just say, by the way, great pick, great pickle. Thank I love this. This brought me so much delight when you told me that this was what we were doing. It just worked out at the right time. You know, I was thinking as I like recorded the pickle choice after we recorded. And I was like, I don't know what I want to pick. And then I suddenly was like looking at my switch and I was like, oh, my God, these just came out on the switch online. This is so good. 
And I love the, I love, 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 love or uh, Link's Awakening. So I had to pick this. Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages were released in the United States in May of 2001. Uh, these were Capcom's attempt to make a Game Boy Color Zelda game with dual versions a la Pokemon or Pokemon Pinball or Mega Man. Uh, Battle Network, that is. And uh, they're very similar games. Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages follow up with the art design and game design style of the classic Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening from all the way back in 1993. I did not know until looking these up that there was an eight-year time difference, which we'll, hey, time we'll have to be talking about. And um, they're similar in many ways, but they're different in many ways. And the way that they connect is honestly one of the more novel interactions between two paired games on the Game Boy or any other handheld device, if you ask me. Um, and so that's why I brought it here today, because I thought it was really novel. And I figured, well, there's two of us, so let's each play a different version. Right, so Magellan, you played Oracle of Seasons, and I played Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, jumping out the gate, I already know you're a Zelda guy, but give me your overall Zelda history and tell me if you played the Oracle games before. Um, yeah, I, I do love Zelda. I'm trying to think just to situate folks in the specific Zelda games I've played and enjoyed, um, because I <clears throat> have not played Link's Awakening, so uh-huh. I didn't have that connection in this game i haven't played these games before um but the ones that i have played to some extent were ocarina of time and majora's mask a bit on the n64 um and then more of ocarina of time when it was on the wii shop the virtual console Mm -hmm. um i am a big fan and proponent of twilight princess that's my favorite zelda game Mm-hmm. I've played your your Breath of the Wild, your Tears of the Kingdom, and I also played a lot with my siblings of um, Four Swords Adventure, maybe? the GameCube one, right? Uh, the GameCube one that you could connect Game Boys to it and yeah. then like go onto your Game Boy screen. So this game, out of all those Zeldas I've played, this felt the most like that game to me. Wow. Um, of the ones that I've had experience with. So, very and that I have very fond memories of, of playing that game multiplayer with my siblings, with our, our game boys and our connect cables. Um, what about you? What's your, <clears throat> what are you bringing into this? Uh, well, first of all, I, you're reminding me, I never really got into four swords cause I never had three friends, uh. <laughs> 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 but, um, I always thought it was interesting. Um, I love the experimental Zeldas, right? So I've played mm-hmm. um, Link to the Past almost all the way through uh, with your brother, actually, back on our old defunct Let's Play channel. Um, uh-huh. Well, I've played uh, a little bit of Ocarina, a good amount of Majora's Mask, Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild. Uh, and I've watched entire playthroughs of Twilight Princess and Wind Waker <clears throat> over on uh-huh. Game Grumps. So uh-huh. I've like been in the Zelda fandom, kind of. But I've never, like... The only Zelda game I have, like, sat down myself and personally finished is one of my top five games of all time, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, uh, which is a magnificent, beautiful, beautiful game. I love it so much for tone, for its Twin Peaks inspiration, for Mm -hmm. gameplay loop, and that's a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about here um, because this game games this pair of games it's kind of hard to define how to talk about it uh mm-hmm. are definitely in conversation with Link's awakening in ways that i think are cool um so getting into it uh Link's awakening was a pretty straightforward like gameplay wise a pretty straightforward Zelda, top-down zelda game you go to different areas on an open world map you unlock dungeons centered around a hub town each dungeon unlocks you an item that you can use to unlock the next dungeon continue continue about eight times and then you beat the game right what made link's Uh awakening special was like i said this sort of like doom and gloom tone tone of an uh, a world that doesn't know that it's ending uh in a lot of ways similar to majora's mask uh but without Mm -hmm. the sort of like like not everybody's aware that the world is is kind of hollow in link's awakening i'm trying not to like get into the specific plot of it but it's more about like dream worlds and the nature of dreams than it is about like the apocalypse. Um, mm-hmm. But happens like what yeah. happens when you wake up? What happens to the people in a dream? And I love it for that. And I was so obsessed with it as a kid. So I was playing this 
um, playing Oracle of Ages, um, immediately I felt like I was at home. I'm like, you're going to unlock Rock's Feather right away. You're going to, you know, get the, the Titan's Glove right away. And you're going to start picking up Rock's. And you're going to meet some weird characters. And it all felt very normal at first. And then, and this is when I told you this is where I would like us to at least get to. You unlock the item that corresponds to your version of the game. And things got start to get a little bit wacky. Uh, Oracle of Seasons has the Rod of Seasons. Oracle of Ages has the, uh, I believe it's just called the Harp of Ages, I think. Um, uh-huh. And those allow you to go basically dimension hopping and the map of the game, similar to Link of the Past, once again, changes and warps depending on which version you have. Uh, and in the game kind of like, they branch out from there. Uh, and so I did a little bit of reading um, about like the differences. <laughs> but before I discuss that, I want to know what your time with Oracle of Seasons was like before I show my hand and say how these games are fundamentally different. Sure. So um, first of all, interestingly, uh in the like infamous big zelda timeline that tries to place different games in like three branching paths and stuff um there's the timeline that a lot of people don't like um the existence of because all these branch off of ocarina of time and various different events right and there's a timeline where like link is defeated and ganondorf rules over hyrule and plunges things into darkness and then everything resets and in that timeline <clears throat> oracle of ages and oracle of seasons is the prequel to link's awakening um right so that's kind of an intriguing connection that i don't know if that was in the mind of the developers of this game when they were making it because like it doesn't really ever feel like zelda games are super thinking about a concrete place in the timeline that they're in no right but um that resonance is interesting uh my time with the game was enjoyable i think it's kind of funny to go from my most recent zelda experience being tears of the kingdom to Mm -hmm. the to these games because in tears of the kingdom every single puzzle is sort of like well you're in a real room and you got to get over there somehow. So figure it out. And in this game, it's like, hey, you're in a room and there's a way to get over there that we know. Can you guess it? Ah, uh, you didn't <laughs> guess it. Oh, you got it. So like, it, it's just a very different, um, I think, kind of gameplay philosophy and approach. And I don't think that one is necessarily substantially better or worse than the other, but it it definitely took me a second to be like, oh, right. This is a game where you have to go get the thing in this order and you have to go to this place. And if I'm finding myself wandering around, not sure where I'm supposed to be, it's because I missed something Mm -hmm. that I was supposed to do. So let me go do that. So there were a couple of moments where I had to kind of reorient myself. But once I was in that rhythm... Uh, it was very comfortable and yeah. um, hit that fundamental thing that all Zelda games hit, which is like, I am on an adventure for the sake of adventuring. Like, I am this faceless hero of Link who I can kind of uh, project onto him my urge or desire to go forth into places unknown. And this game does everything that it needs to do to evoke that feeling and like make you feel like you're progressing pretty quickly. I I felt like the pace of the game was, was fairly fast and uh, there's enough enemies and little hearts that I can pick up that I'm constantly getting hurt, but also constantly healing. So totally uh, there's like a momentum to it that I, that I enjoyed. Uh, so I, I liked it. This is, this was a very easy game to kind of pick up, play for a little bit, put, put back down um, in between, you know, hours long sessions of playing Baldur's Gate three. Of course. And I'm glad yeah. I picked uh seasons for you because uh, seasons is the easier game. Uh, so these games right. are like, 
Uh, sorry, I don't mean to. I don't mean that pejoratively. No, 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 no. I understand. Seasons is action based. It's more action based, and Ages is puzzle based. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things I want to do, I totally agree about the momentum. I think that's the reason that Child Me was able to beat Link's Awakening. Was like you said, like there's only so many tools. They're like, here's your toolbox. This is every way you can, every verb you have in this game. Pick up, attack, uh, jump, and and then you get other stuff later. Those are the mm-hmm. only ones I think I have right now. And then like dive, dig, yeah. and like plant seeds. Uh, well, and what's interesting, just to quickly respond to that, um, yeah, yeah. is because of the technological limitations of how many buttons you have on a Game Boy, you can only ever bind two, two items at any given time your sword counting as one of them. Mm-hmm. So like every gameplay situation on its face needs to be obvious as to what you're supposed to use so that you can go into the menu and swap. Cause it's not, it's not an intuitive or easy process to go and swap things to, you know, what's active as opposed to something like twilight princess that might have four different items that are uh, hot. In addition to, to your sword, your D pad along with your sword right um so that definitely forces the game into a position where it's like okay everything that you could blow up with bombs needs to look a certain way or uh every puzzle that you could solve with the boomerang needs to be arranged a certain way so that uh it there you're not creating unnecessary friction of people trying to go into their menu and equip something that's irrelevant to the situation mm-hmm. yeah and but yeah anyway, i'm straight sorry to continue your point no it's all good so you have momentum because of that and you have a limited number of tools it's actually one of the reasons that i was not very excited for the link's awakening remake on switch was they mm-hmm. let you have four items on at once which like that's the point is that you go into the menu and you awkwardly go like a b start go back a b start to like re you know allocate your items yeah it's annoying Mm -hmm. and yeah i see how if you're making a remake you're like we should just let people have more items you have more buttons but like i like running around the open world with rocks feather and the the glove and nothing else i don't need a sword like i'm not fighting enemies until i need to fight enemies you know what i mean uh Mm -hmm. your tools define how you interact with the world and so because of that, like you said, even without a walkthrough, you can kind of grok these games because you just kind of bump. I call it the Doom method. The way I used to play Doom uh-huh. as a kid was I would bump against the walls until I found the next place to go. Um, that way yeah. you don't. It's like doing a running a maze, basically. And you're just doing that in Zelda and you're like, OK, what can be interacted with? What can I jump? What can I what did I not do yet? And you'll figure mm-hmm. out the entire game that way. It can be clunky. And I found myself stuck in the second dungeon for most of my vacation to California because of this. But the moment when I figured it out, well, I felt like the smartest person in the world uh, uh-huh. because it was just like, oh, it was right there. I just wasn't thinking the right way. Um, so that being said, I want to talk about how our games start and we can talk about the differences and then I'll talk a little bit more about how they connect. If that sounds like something you're interested in. Great. Yep. Sounds good. So Oracle of Ages starts a tale as old as time. An old woman named Impa rescues me. Clonk is the name I named my character. Uh, on the beach <laughs> and, I, and Klonk finds himself in a forest of animals who are praising the beautiful singing voice of Princess Nehru we are in a land uh-huh. called Labrina uh, it turns out me and a magician man named Ralph are warriors who are here to protect Nehru uh, Impa betrays the group and reveals herself to be Veron the Sorceress of Shadows uh, an evil wizard whose goal is to reach heaven and corrupt the world uh the way that she's accomplishing this is by uh, locking the people of this first city that I'm in uh, to constantly be to never time will never move forward for them. Uh, and so she can basically fa- freeze time for everyone so that they're always working. They're always building this tower to God. And uh, eventually when they reach the top, she's going to ascend it and take over the world and in the body of the princess. So they think that they're working for the princess. Okay. And that's it. What's, <laughs> okay. What, what's different? That's the game, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I'm having that feeling of like, did I read the wrong chapter for yeah. class today? But like I did because that's the exercise. Everything you just said is completely not true. Okay. <laughs> it so, didn't happen ever. I played the first, I was like, I've, just before you tell me what happened to yours, I was like, I bet yeah. you these are probably similar. I should wait and I want to hear what Magellan says, but let me just peek 
and I opened Oracle of Seasons, and immediately I was like, what? This isn't even the same map. It's a different map. Yeah. So tell me what how your game starts and where, where what's your journey? Basically, I Link finds himself in a forest where he comes across just like a a group of traveling cool people. Like they're hanging out, playing music, dancing, okay. and uh, he dances with someone named Din. And uh, Link is a really great dancer, it turns out. We're having a nice time in this little camp. And then all of a sudden, black clouds coat the sky. And uh, you learn that Din is called the Oracle of Seasons. And there's somebody named Onox who comes to kidnap her and take her, uh, seal her in a crystal inside of the Temple of Seasons. The Temple of Seasons is then sunk into like an underground area known as Subrosia, and that messes up all of the seasons across of this la- this land, which is called Holodrum. So every place in Holodrum, uh, the season is like the wrong season, and you could go from one area, walk ten feet away, and you're walking from summer to winter or something like that. Whoa! And Impa's there, and Impa's oh. like, hey. I was helping out Din. I know Zelda. We got to figure this out. There's a big tree named the Maku tree that you can go yep. talk to. Wait, what does the Maku tree look like? What's going on? It's just like a big oak tree that's always sleeping whenever I come to talk to it. So I have to pop its sleep <laughs> bubble to get it to talk to me. No, it's not, Matilda. That's wrong. <laughs> huh? The tree is a cute anime girl with big eyes who tells me that I'm going to marry her someday. And then I go to the president and I marry her. And she's got a cute little anime eyes with long eyelashes. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? The tree. This, we're talking about the same tree. That's the, the Maku tree. Yes. It's a oh, cute they anime did a girl. gender. They did a whole gender. Also, yeah. Veron they did a whole like a, gender. With Veron is like a hot lady. And so huh. Monok, you got the like like hot old guy and i got the like hot lady so uh yeah we we played the right games fascinating Um, so these are the things i'm talking about it's like fundamentally these are different games you i so then yeah i assume you find out and then din gives you the or you get the uh the the rod of seasons that allows you to just uh, you stand on a tree stump and then you can change the season so basically i have to go get my sword and then it's like okay the temple of seasons is in this weird underground other dimension. So you got to go there. I go there, get the rod. And then there are like four towers around the perimeter of the, of the temple. Uh Um, And you can't access them all right at the beginning of the game uh, because there's like different other utility items that you would need in order to get to them. Yeah. So, you don't have any of the powers of any of the seasons yet. The first one that you can access is the winter tower. So you can go empower your rod with winter powers. And then there are like tree stumps throughout the overworld um, that you can stand on and wave the rod to change the season. So if you turn the, so far I only have winter. If you turn the season to winter, uh, water freezes over so you can walk on it. Some places like big piles of snow pile ups that you can like go up and walk on top of the snow and get to new areas and things like that. Or like some trees that maybe the leaves were blocking where you could walk. The leaves are gone. So now you can walk between the trees um, and stuff like that. That's fun. Here's a question then. Uh, You have a main town, I'm assuming, right? Like a main town where people hang out? Um... Like, a, like a shop as like a vendor. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Do people talk, say interesting different things about the seasons? That's usually how this goes, right? Like, oh, man, uh, like winter. Depending on what season it is. Yeah, like, oh, the harvest seasons in winter or whatever. Um, That's interesting. I, I haven't noticed any of that sort of dialogue. Because the, the logs are, or the tr- the stumps are kind of spread out. Like, right. it's not something you can just do anywhere. So I haven't noticed like specific changed dialogue when the when the season changes necessarily. Um, I did. There's one really funny moment when you have the winter powers that I wanted to tell you about, which is like uh, you come across this house 
and it has a sign out front that says like Santa is welcome or something like that. And okay. uh, the front door is locked, so you can't get in. Uh huh. But if you turn it into winter, then there's a huge snow pile that connects a nearby cliff to the roof of the house. So you can turn oh. it to winter and then walk across the big snow and jump down the chimney. And then when you get down there, uh, the kid in there is like, you're not Santa. I'm not scared of you. <laughs> and they and they give you a shovel and they're like, go shovel my snow. Um, so that's how I got the shovel to shovel snow. But it was just a very strange, funny season based interaction that I had. I want to tell you about some time based interactions that I had. Yeah. So yeah. Hit me. Uh, the the conceit, like I said, is that time is frozen. But uh, Fe- uh, Nehru is the Oracle of Ages. And so she gives you this harp that when you play it, if there's a portal nearby, you step on it and it takes you between the past and the present. So in the past, mm. people don't know yet about the princess, and she just arrived, and they're like, "Oh, she seems pretty good, and we're working really hard." But like, I mean, I hope this project gets done soon because we have a lot of things we need to do, and we have to like live our lives. And then you go to the present, and it's very depressing because they've still been working, and a lot of people are hopeless. A lot of people have grown up and have given up on their dreams. Professors have like run into hiding because they know that their work is never going to get done in town. So from what I understand, Ages is a little bit more story heavy than Seasons, like a teensy bit. Um, and it seems there's like a, it, yeah. a lot of charming sort of like character interactions you can have in town in the past and present. And my favorite is uh, there's a there's a um, a family, a mother and father who just had their first son. And the mom, when you first meet her, is like, I don't actually know what to name my kid. Can you name my kid for me? And I was like, that's a classic zelda insane thing for a person to say to me but okay sure uh-huh. your yeah. son's name is clonk and you forget about it and, and you go to the future mm-hmm. or you go to the present well actually that's in the present that's just how they get you is you don't think like oh I, like the first thing you guess the easy answer is like i'm gonna do that in the past and i go to the present and he's an adult blah 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 you do that yeah. in the pa- in the present in the past they're talking about having a kid and they're like i think oh. i'm gonna name him clonk and you realize that the, she's like oh that's a nice name because you told her in the present and then the idea it's kind of like a time paradox thing mm-hmm. and as the game progresses clonk get grows up like in the progression of the main story so each dungeon you go back to town and they're like oh clonk is sick do you have 100 rupees to give to clonk so we can buy medicine uh uh-huh. clonk is a teenager now and like he ages over the course of the game which is wild uh-huh. uh and so by the end i think he's at least a young adult to my understanding i am obviously not there yet but Really the thing cool. That's so stuff. bizarre to me about that is that I also have the parents in my game. Yeah. And I can also name their kid, but like he's not grown up. What is that going to look like in my game? Cuz well, it's going to be a baby the whole time. This is the other thing that connects the two games. So, uh the way they connect. So the way they connect if you noticed on the first screen when you make a new game is it said password. If you beat uh-huh. one of the games, the other game is a sequel. So oh. ages and seasons are sequels to each other depending on which one you played first. Which means that oh. the kid continues living into the second game. Okay. So you only get to see the kid's full story if you play both games. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that so, what, so what do they change? They like give you the powers of one game in the other game or something? Uh, a little bit. Some of the, I mean, most of the storylines just continue. Like literally Link washes up on another beach. And goes, uh-huh. oh, now Onox is here. I got to still take care of this. You don't keep that much stuff, but there are like items and pickups and collectibles throughout that only show up if we are playing it as a sequel, not as a game one. So if I play uh-huh. Oracle of Seasons now as a sequel, throughout the map, there's going to be like new item drops and like bonus stuff for me that you don't have. Whoa. And if you play Oracle of Ages second, you'll have stuff I didn't see. Wow, that's so cool. Right? So they incentivize you to play both games because the whole story reveals itself when you finish both games, which is that it's neither Varon or Onox who's the bad guy. It's uh, it's Twin Rova. This is a Zelda game. I don't really think anyone's going to be bummed if I tell them it's the person that's two personalities. Um, hmm. It's Twin Rover and Ganon. And you only learn that by playing both games. If you play one of them, you're like, all right, I beat Onox. Good. Okay. Got it. Got it. And you can play both of them either at either as a sequel or you can there's an item that lets you play it as if it's the first time. So if I were to now buy Oracle of Seasons, I don't have to play it as a sequel. I could just not enter the password and 
You know, mm-hmm. you have options. So there's basically four playthroughs that you can do. Uh, right. Right. Ages sequel, right. Ages original, season sequel, season's original. Huh. <clears throat> it's really it's high concept better... for a game game boy. Game. Yeah. I love that because it's the thing that I was thinking when I was playing this is uh, is it was giving me Pokemon vibes like this feeling of you have a different version and that means that there's story differences and, you know, the game kind of has the art style or qualities of a Pokemon game. I also Uh was doing a lot of strength puzzles uh, in a cave that felt Pokemon-y, but God, I wish Pokemon game version differences were anywhere near as cool as as this, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just like, hey, you want to be a little annoyed that you can't collect all the collectibles? Well, here you go. Right. They make but... you feel dumb or like you're, like you're just lacking for not having both games. Whereas this is like, yeah, that's another story. That's an additional part of the story that you're going to want. But yeah. you don't you don't play one of them and go like, man, they keep referencing stuff I don't understand. They're just it adds on instead of like subtracts, I guess. Right. And there's not like a fundamental gameplay difference. It's usually just an aesthetic or a stylistic thing mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like a whatever. Um, yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Do the chat's listeners like eating and slurping on Mike? <laughs> they love it, but we save it for the Patreon as a special. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. This is the uh, the other episode you could have been listening to. Wait, okay, let me think about this. Basically, <laughs> there's... How much editing do you do? <laughs> <laughs> this is all in. <laughs> There's Chats in a Pickle, and then this is a different show. It's called Chats in a a Banana. And uh, basically on this show, in another dimension, uh, I'm joined by Sam. Hey, Sam. Hello. And uh, you're listening. Basically, you got like a special code by listening to Chats in a Pickle. So now you're unlocking Chats in a Banana. You see what I'm doing? Yeah, I'm the banana. You're the banana. And this is like those Zelda games where there's two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. You got um, there. You got there. Yeah. So this is Sam. Uh, if you've been really paying close attention on the podcast, you know that I may have moved recently. So Sam is a new roommate of the pod. Um, Charlie is now roommate emeritus uh, of the pod. Is that what emeritus means? Uh, anyway. Uh, once a roommate, always America's. A roommate. America's America's roommate. Um, anyway, so Sam's here, and by by coincidence, it seemed um, Sam was starting to play Oracle of Ages just around the time that Alan recommended that we play the two games for this episode of the podcast. So I wanted to sit with you and talk about your experience with the game to kind of uh, add on to our discussion. So first of all, nobody knows you uh-huh. and they want to know, you know, what's your relationship with the Zelda games and uh, which ones have you played and loved and what made you want to play this one? Have you played it before? Like all that kind of stuff. What's what's the deal? Mm, mm, okay. Yeah. Um, I've played, I think, almost all the Zeldas. I My first console was a Game Boy, so... I played, was that Link to the Past? Uh-huh. Uh, like, a lot. <clears throat> um, sorry, I haven't warmed up my vocals today. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so it's probably my favorite franchise, mm. I'd say. I think of, the, of all the Zeldas, I maybe haven't played a handful of them, mm-hmm. a couple of them. What's your top Zelda? I mean... I think just in terms of hours, like childhood hours, Ocarina of Time is pretty up there. Uh-huh. Um, Breath of the Wild was really good too. Yeah, I I never beat Majora's Mask. <laughs> too hard. It's, it's kind of a hard game to beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
so you were telling me uh, off mic a little bit that um, you're interested in like some of the people who made the game or were kind of spearheading it. Um, I'd be curious to hear more about about that. Yeah, it's a. I do sometimes like like to look up who made stuff. Um, and there's this director. I'm gonna butcher this name. Hidemaru Fujibayashi, mm-hmm. uh, who apparently directed some Tetris game before. I don't know magical Tetris challenges. Oh, but, that sounds fun. <laughs> but right <laughs> after that, he goes to direct these two games, uh, Seasons and Ages, and then from there directs like Minish Cap, Phantom Hourglass, Skyward Sword, uh, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> ever so, heard of them yeah yeah it's like he went from directing indie movies to avengers endgame it's, uh, <laughs> quite a quite a resume that's know? pretty cool <laughs> yeah it it feels like maybe there's a connective thread there of mm-hmm. all those games like have a weird let's reinvent the wheel of zelda a little bit i guess every zelda game kind of does that yeah. but um that's but, pretty cool yeah i think between um you know nintendo and the guy who invented zelda i'm gonna butcher his name too uh I'll, we'll come back to it <laughs> <laughs> um they like to yeah i think it's kind of just the nintendo wheelhouse to like you want to build the gameplay first uh-huh. and then work on like the story and stuff that's why like mario always feels so good and chunky but like what is mario really uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh-huh. and uh you interesting hardware thing you played alan and i were playing these games on the switch online but you are playing a physical cartridge of oracle of ages right Mm -hmm. on an analog pocket yeah so how is that just the physical experience of that man is that kind of uh triggered the game boy nostalgia for you yeah i mean i i'm like a pretty big handheld nerd i think i have every iteration of the game boy i I still play on my old Game Boy a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the analog pocket dropped and I wanted one and needed something to play on it and mm-hmm. have not played uh, these two these two Zelda games. What made you pick... So, because Seasons, Ages, we... Uh, this is happening in the middle of the episode, so I might be spoiling something we talk about in the second half, but we sort of talk about the interactivity of the two mm-hmm. games and how you can play them sequentially. Mm-hmm. So was there, you want to play both, right? That's your oh, yeah. aspiration. Yeah. So what made you pick Ages first? What did you know about these games going into it prior to playing? I think going in, I knew one was more puzzle-based and one is more action-based. Uh-huh. And I wanted to save the action one because I feel like I will enjoy that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having, so I guess the connectivity between them is like once you beat one, it gives you like, passcodes to unlock stuff in the second one mm-hmm. um and then that works vice versa but i figured if i'm doing the action one i want maybe as much help as i can get <laughs> so you can get like a goron sword with the passcode oh that's cool um, there's yeah some sick sick bonuses so figured i'll do the puzzle one first yeah and then move on to action What's been your uh, experience of the puzzles in Ages, like difficulty level compared to other Zelda games, maybe? Uh, this one is like a decent challenge. I haven't had to like look up walkthrough stuff too much, uh-huh. um, which I have had to do. Like, I think that the first Zelda game, like Legend of Zelda, is like punishingly hard. <laughs> right. I used to walk through the entire time. Yeah, like arbitrarily hard. It's, yeah, it is a <laughs> difficult game. Yeah. Um, and this one, you know, I felt like I was getting through it reasonably well yeah. without having to look too much stuff up. I I used to be like a bit of a completionist with games. Like I'd have to do every, start from one to, you know, what are the yeah. Final Fantasies now? 20? Uh-huh. Um, I don't have to do that as much now in uh-huh. my old age. My time is... <laughs> I realize my time is limited. <laughs> and I can't spend hours and hours uh, chipping away at the same puzzle. So. Right. Right. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny that you talk about age and time. I mean, that's mm. like a major theme of this game. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about the time 
changing mechanic and you're you're further along in the game than we were you're almost done with it right mm -hmm. um so how did you feel about the mechanic and like how they develop it or explore it over the course of the game uh yeah it, de it develops pretty well i think like in the first third of the game you have the um harp of ages mm. which uh there's like portals kind of like around mm -hmm. the map that you have to play the harp to uh, activate. Um, and then later on you get like another tune that lets you go back or go forward in time and then you can go back just on that one portal you just created. Yeah. And then in the later stage, later third of the game, you can go back and forth willy-nilly. Oh. And uh, so it develops pretty well. I, I, you know, it's not too frustrating. And does the game, like, explore that time travel thematically? Is there, like, a narrative uh, significance to going forward? What does it look like in the world when you're... Like, how far forward are you going? Because I think Alan just had the going back part of mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what the future or the back and forth of it feels like thematically and narratively also. Uh, I mean, it, it does an interesting thing where when you go back and, like, change something beat a dungeon or whatever it reflects into the future uh, I, I forget exactly how long that time jump is uh -huh. um but like the tree is like yeah. young in one part and then older in the future uh -huh. um yeah the the landscape changes a bit so sometimes you'll be standing in one place and you can play the tune and it'll take you to the future and like if you're trying to get on the other side of a fence or something uh-huh maybe like that fence the fence broke or the whatever yeah uh, okay yeah. that's pretty cool yeah. um do you have any like highlight moments from the game things that uh you're like whoa that's cool or made you laugh or mm. kind of favorite experiences so far i do like that the tree is in love with you <laughs> that's an interesting aspect to that uh -huh. i think in previous iterations the tree's always been like an old man so yeah you know, it's like a cute tree that's funny <laughs> in seasons it's like an old man oh really yeah <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that is funny. yeah that's pretty fun um what about like any favorite dungeons or uh puzzles or things like that um, come to mind? yeah i don't think i took note of any of that I, i'm not like burning through it but i I tend to forget about uh -huh. <laughs> like things I just immediately played. That's I do true. like the gratification when you like finish something on your own without yeah having to look it up yeah um, you know and it's got all the you know the old Zelda goodies the hook shot the boomerang yep you get the sword the shield the bracelet the feather <laughs> that's fun um, how. This uh, I think this is my last question. Um, 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 how how does it kind of stack up for you against like you said you're a big Link to the Past fan? It's mm -hmm. obviously drawing on a lot of visual um, inspiration there. Mm -hmm. Where where do you kind of place this game in the pantheon of Zelda games? Like mm -hmm. who do you recommend it to, or how would you recommend it? Um. Yeah. Good question. I I. I, I mean, it is a Game Boy game, so, mm -hmm. like, it is limited by hardware in a sense. Um, it does look good because it is Game Boy Color, and I'm playing it on an analog pocket. Uh -huh. So, like, it visually looks still pretty good. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I mean, it's up there, I'd say, if, if you're looking for a handheld. I mean, there are plenty of Zelda handheld games. I mean, there's some for the DS, uh -huh. 3DS. I haven't played that one. I need to. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I don't know. I'd I'd say I, I like them a little bit better than like the DS ones, like Spirit Tracks. Uh -huh. uh, those are they use Toon Link. And I'm not saying that I like Toon Link, <laughs> um, but I think I, when I was diving into Spirit Tracks, it seemed a little bit more like um, yeah, it wasn't as like open worldy as as you like the Zelda game to be. Yeah, that makes so. sense. Well, cool. Um, any final things you want people to know about your experience with the game or about, I don't know, if you want to plug something somewhere for people to look up? 
Uh, I'm plugging. Let's see. There's this great podcast I listen to. Two great guys called Chats. Oh, are y'all listening to that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> golly. Um. Well, hey Sam, thanks so much for coming down the hall to the recording mm-hmm. studio. Yeah, long walk. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of a long haul. Um, we're gonna go back to the other dimension episode but now you have a big sword in it so congratulations listener bye about the dungeons we've done so far just like vibe wise and also what what were they like for you so how many dungeons have you beaten so far um i'm in the final boss fight of the second one right now so i did the first one i'm in, about to end the second one where is your first one like where was the, it located on the map uh kind of middle um let me was it in the graveyard to... no Yours was a okay. graveyard. I knew, I knew it felt weird that the first dungeon of the game was in the freaking graveyard. I was like, this seems so weird. That's creepy. <clears throat> yeah, mine's in the graveyard. I had a sword, shovel, and fire seeds and nothing else. <clears throat> the first dungeon was very easy. Mm-hmm. This was just like limited tools, <clears throat> block pushing, easy fights, easy boss fight. No trouble there. Yeah. Um, and that's before you get your uh, harp, right? Correct. My second dungeon required me to get bombs. And then get into the woods in the western side where people are working tirelessly to build the tower. Mm. The second dungeon for me involved a lot of mine carts because it's in the mines underneath the, the tower. This reminded me aesthetically of my favorite Link's Awakening dungeon, which is uh, it's a tower dungeon. It's called Eagle's Tower. Um, and Eagle's Tower is incredible because it is a dungeon where even on this limited like tile set, Stuff you do on one floor affects a, a floor below you or a floor uh. above you. You can make pillars rise up. You can make balls fall down. It's a great fucking bit of game design. And so these mines remind me of that. But it was a lot of just like riding minecarts back and forth. And you can't get off of them. So you just have to ride the whole track. And then being like, oh, uh. what's over here? No, fuck. And the puzzle that took me so long in Dungeon 2 was there's all these pots. And there's a button you have to push, and you have to stand on it to open a door. But if you get off of it, the button unpresses, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's all these pots, and I didn't realize that you have to pull pull these pots across the entire room, fighting enemies along the way, to then oh. get them to land on the button. Which is like, you oh. don't think to push pots around, right? That's not, like, intuitive. Yeah. So that one took me the longest time. But once I finished it, that was the one where I was like, wow, I feel really smart for just kind of getting that. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing else to do in this room, you know? Nothing carries over. I'm not missing any items. The map is filled out. Right. I'm just going to keep hitting myself against it, and then I got it. Hmm. What was your second dungeon? Um, so my first one was called the Gnarled Root Dungeon. So you basically find, like, a an island that's to the north of the village, and you go into the Gnarled Roots and... There's not a lot going on there. It's very similar to what you were describing from your first dungeon. Mm-hmm. There's bombs and seeds, and you just kind of have to do basic stuff, push the blocks and that kind of thing. Um, right. The second dungeon is called like the Snake's Pit or something. What is it? Uh, snake's Remains, it's called. Yeah. So you. it's like in the woods, um, and there's a lot of snakes in there. You get the power Ooh. bracelet, so there's yeah. just some things you need box. to push around, lift the 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 pots, or push these like um, cylinder things around. Uh, and then there's a lot of different scary monsters, and mostly in the dungeons in this game, uh, it feels less puzzly and more like all the doors are locked until you can kill everything. Good luck. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So a lot of rooms, like, there isn't actually something you need to figure out. You just need to it's win a combat challenge. fight. Yeah, it's a combat challenge in order to actually be able to walk through the rest of the dungeon. Um, but there's, That's like, some cool. light stuff, like, you were describing a minecart thing. In one of the dungeons, mm-hmm. there was, like, 
there's a lever to change the directions of the track that the cart goes on. Um, right. Things like that. But there haven't really been puzzles that I can think of that puzzled me. It really felt more like you're playing an old Metroid game and you don't know which wall you're supposed to do your bombs on kind of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's been my experience with it. But it's been pretty fun action gameplay. My first one was called Spirit's Grave. My second one is called The Wing Dungeon. Mm. Uh, that that one has great puzzles. It's just complicated. And then a really annoying boss, which has like a spinning face that you have to keep throwing bombs into over and over and over again. And mm. I don't know if there was a shorter method to it, but I threw like 20 plus bombs. And it drops bombs for you, so you keep getting more. But like, uh-huh. it's a lot of freaking bombs. It was like kind of annoying, honestly. Hmm. Uh, it just took a while. And then I started the track to the third dungeon, which involves um, basically getting the Zora flippers, which allow you to swim, and the Zora, or the rope, which allows you to rope out, in and out of water and stuff, from uh-huh. a guy who, in the past, he's like, huh, this is a good idea. Maybe someday I'll nail the technology to make it. And then you go to the present. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you go to the present, and he's dead. And he's oh, like, I hope somebody... no. I hope somebody figured it out. Oh, Here's the no. stuff to do it. And you find it like buried under his house. And it's just there. He did make it. But he's not alive to see it. And it's like, ah! Oh, oh. no. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty It's pretty sad. A lot of the, the like elements of Oracle of Ages are really sad because it's like, oh, I hope this gets figured out. I'm just going to leave it up to time and space. And then, you know, huh. 20, 30 plus years go by and they're like, I didn't make it. Um, wow it's so it does it's have so that fascinating how thematically different these games are because oracle of seasons is a classic well the damsel in distress is in distress and you need to go out on your adventure you need to fix the world's problems and uh look it's kind of springtime over here like it feels very uh kind of monomythic almost and it's not mm-hmm. really there, there isn't a lot of like deconstructivist themes happening. It feels like, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of a fascinating contrast between the two games. And I want to see way more of that stuff. Um, I'm gonna continue playing Ages all the way through. At this point, it's it's like I said, very playable. It's not all yeah. dark. I mean, I met I met Tingle this morning. That was cool. I, I saved Tingle. <laughs> nice. Good. Um, there are animal buddies. I don't. You're gonna probably run into some animal friends at some point soon. Okay. Uh, there's a bear that floats with wings, and he floats you through the graveyard so that you can get the flippers. And then there's a kangaroo who you need to collect his boxing gloves from a rock so that he gives you the ability to ride a raft. Mm. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. And yeah, this all last thing. Sense. The last thing that I got to that is absolutely nuts, and I hope that it's in your game too. You know Eventide Island from Breath of the Wild, where they like take all your yeah. eggs away? Yeah. They Eventide Island you in this game. Ooh. So, you you know, you get the Zora Flippers, and, and the princess is like, go to this tower, or go to this town. It's like in the southern coast, and you go there, and then you get swept up in a storm, and these little like snake creatures take all your shit, and they mm-hmm. run away around the map, and they're like, we get your sword, your shield, your gloves, everything you own. Go find it. And here's the crazy... Sorry, last thing, I promise. This is where mm-hmm. I am in the game mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. You can't get all of it back at once. You get, like, the bombs or something. And it's like, okay, I can bomb rocks. And then you find a guy who's like, I have the Titan Gloves and the Rocks Feather. You can have one of them, but you have to give me the bombs. And so you can't have Whoa. all of your stuff back at once. You have to trade back and forth to keep Whoa. to go further. That's it's cool. so wild. I was like, as soon as I figured it out, I was like, I got to talk about this on the pod. I can't do it right now. That's fascinating. Yeah. So they really did even Tide Island way, 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 way before uh, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it's not exactly the same because in even Tide you don't get your yeah, items back yeah. slowly. Yeah. But um, similar idea, I guess. Huh. Anyways, Very the Oracle cool. games are super cool and no- novel in a way that's still really fun. They play well. They look yeah. good. Yeah, they're very uh, playable. I love that they're on Switch Online. Super accessible. And like probably makes it easier to access that two game play sequence easier to access that uh-huh. than you know buying two game boy cartridges 
and mm-hmm. doing that. So it seems like now is the best time to experience the pair of them as a mm-hmm. cohesive piece. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed my time with it, and it's. I think I'm gonna keep playing it because it's just such a great like palate cleanser gaming experience. Yeah, they're just relaxing and straightforward and great music. The main overall yeah. theme in the Game Boy Color. It's the same one from Link's Awakening. It's so good. It's, it gets stuck in my head all the time. Um, yeah. And, and Seasons, to just to speak to it a little bit, like the art style, I love how much they're able to do with just a little bit of shading of different colors. Uh, like yeah. Evoking the different seasons by just putting an Instagram filter on the map. <laughs> um, yep, it it works. Uh, it feels really cool. It it has that same quality of Pokemon Yellow, like tinting the screen purple when you go into Lavender Town or something like that. Right, um, totally. Where it's like this is a fairly simplistic artistic choice, but it evokes exactly what they're trying to to get at um so i've been enjoying looking at the game and and seeing how they theme and color the different seasons and seasonal powers and stuff like that the two ages have different color palettes as well the past is a little bit more muted and sad and also the music is a Mm. slower key a slower tempo interesting which is interesting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i dig it i think they're both they both sound really cool i think if you're interested in playing both of these i i still would recommend you play seasons first because it mm-hmm. sounds a little bit more of an easier on-ramp. This game, I mean, Ages does have one really easy dungeon, but then Dungeon 2 is like, all right, you're playing a full, you're playing Link's Awakening. Like, get into it. Yeah. And it also that's seems fun, like, especially for me, but yeah. Yeah, it also seems like what you described with Impa turning into the bad guy uh, is meant to be a kind of, because Impa's like your friend and guide in Seasons. So yeah. it feels like it's meant to be a sort of, Yo, you don't know what's going on here. We're flipping the script on you. Your pal is actually your enemy. Good luck. So, yeah. Yeah, your enemy is actually your pal. It's less of a cool plot. You're just like, oh, hi, Impa. Thanks. <laughs> I guess you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the vibe I'm getting yet also is that, yeah, you should play Seasons first and then Ages. You'll get more story. or it'll The story will cohere a little bit better. And, uh, and you'll, you won't be wrong playing it the other way. It'll just feel more like straightforward. Right. Right. Also, there's a trade quest that I hope you don't have to play both games to finish. Did you start the trade quest at all? No. So this is one of my favorite things in A Link's Awakening that they bring back, which is that one person in town gives you an item that you give to somebody else in exchange for another item that you give to someone else in mm-hmm. exchange for another item. Trying to turn your penny into a house the... or whatever. Exactly. You turn your penny into a house by the end of the game. Uh, and I believe the item in Link's Awakening made the final boss easier. Or it like one hit kills the final boss. It's like a really Whoa. cool thing that you get for finishing the trade quest. That's cool. Uh, but you have to do it. You have to really be dedicated to it and talk to everyone. And uh-huh. I started in this, but there's also like this ring system that seems a little bit too complicated for a G- Game Boy game because the rings yeah the tie rings into thing I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on there. It's it's all connected to it's like a collectible thing. Like if you you have to play both games to get all the rings. Got it. Because yeah, the first like the first house that i went into in the village <laughs> it was the guy who's like hey i've got these two snakes and they connect to the other game and i'm like whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. i gotta play this game before you try to get me to buy another game hold yeah. on don't sell that me on the other one weird. yet relax yeah <laughs> that's very cool though um anyways oracle of ages and seasons they're cool yeah they should make another two versions of the game. That's what I, I agree. That's what we got, though. That was my pickle. Thanks for crunching into it with me, bud. Magellan, I'd like to ask you, first of all, Magellan, what is your pickle for next week? Per this text message I just received from Magellan, quote, Okay, my pickle is I want us to read the intro and the week one section of Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way and do the creative activities it asks you to do at the end of that chapter. It's some journaling prompt sort of a thing. I saw a display at Barnes & Noble the other day of the book's 30th anniversary edition. If you want just the tasks and can't access the book, I will send you pictures of them. Also, the basic tools section. So basically, the first about 40 to 50 pages. That is Magellan's Pickle for next week. The Artist's Way, Julie Cameron. Very exciting. Can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> That's a good one. 
great. I'm looking forward to it, whatever that was that we just heard. And now I have to ask you, Magellan, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on another podcast, Super Smash Echoes, that I do with my friend Justin, where we play video games related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise. So if you liked this discussion of a game that's related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise, you'll probably like Super Smash Echoes. Check it out. Um, you can also read some of my writing on my Substack at notthemagellan.substack.com. Alan, what about you? Um, yeah, I was trying not to be too echoesy on this episode. I was going to tell a story about how uh, this is cut content. You have to play both versions to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, about how the first time I discovered the Oracle games was at a Walmart uh, demo kiosk. And somebody who had played it before me trapped the character in like four walls that they couldn't escape somehow. Or I didn't know how to escape them. Mm-hmm. And there was a timer going off. And I remember picking it up and being like, what's going on? Why am oh I failing? God, what have I done so wrong? Stressful. <laughs> I don't know how they put a timer on it. I was like, did they just uh, have like a time limit? Like fucking Majora's Mask or something? I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. That's fine. Um, but that's like a very Justin thing. Like Justin has remembered every single thought he's ever had in his life, and he'll tell you all of them. I'm going to love him yeah. so much. Um, anyways, uh, I can be found on a couple other podcasts. Uh, me and my friends who just hung out with each other are the co-hosts of The Garnet Wager. Me, Six, and Nick watch um, Korean game shows and where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And we talk about it. We also play mm-hmm. tabletop games on there as part of our meta narrative, which is similar to a radio drama uh, that features voice work from Magellan on an episode. Uh, we're also doing the Creature Quorum. We just put out an episode concluding Monster Hunter Rise. Um, so the Creature Quorum is probably going to be taking another short pause while we wait for more stuff to come out. Uh-huh. And I can also be found on Talking Marketing, which is a bi-monthly marketing podcast uh, with AMA Boston. That can be found at Talking Marketing or amaboston.org and you just look up talking marketing and you'll find my my little marketing pod over there those are my gigs right now well maybe have future gigs it's time for the plug zone if you have any questions comments or concerns our email address is chatspod at gmail.com we are at chatspod on twitter slash fartface slash x slash elon's hellhole uh we're also on blue sky chatspod.bsky.social Chats the Television Podcast on YouTube is where you can find video versions of all the episodes and archives of our streams from twitch.tv slash chatspod. Um, rate us on your podcast platform of choice if you want to support us in a quick and easy free way. That's Apple Podcasts and Spotify mainly. If you want to support us in a quick and easy payable way, check out patreon.com slash chatspod where you get all sorts of fun and sexy bonuses at $1, 3 and $5 a month. As of today, our $5 plus patrons who get a thank you at the end of every episode include arthur emrys jen justin cat lee marcus may louise michael magellan's mom pat noel six and stefan thank you guys for supporting chats we really love you and appreciate your support all things chats can be found at chatspod.com and if you like our main feed art that's because it was done by our friend camilla she's a wonderful artist and she's at camilla strader on social media uh, keep on supporting the entertainment fund while the Screen Actors Guild continue to be on strike. And once they're both negotiated and they got what they want, we're gonna be we're, that'll be the end of Chats in a Pickle. Maybe we'll bring it back in a future context. I don't know. But we're making this up as we go along. Fuck! It's time for Chatsums! <laughs> it's our recommendation segment. Uh, this is the part where we tell y'all what to do, watch, enjoy between now and next week on Chats. John, what is there? Are your Chatsums for this week, buddy? Uh... My chats um this week. I've been going to physical therapy lately because I fell a few months ago and I like um bruised my toe and then oh, no. maybe that was affecting how I walked afterwards and I didn't realize that. And also maybe I've had back problems for a while that I kind of was trying to ignore. And you know, physical therapy is pretty good. Uh you should do it if you're feeling pain in parts of your body when you move them or if it's tingly or something because they teach you little stretches and stuff and you're like whoa i can just do this little stretch and it does stuff to my muscles and nerves and things that's kind of cool um so it's just been it's been fun to kind of like learn little anatomical hacks and things and um move my body in a way that reduces pain and discomfort so 
Um, if that's something that you have the insurance to cover and the need for, I recommend talking to a, a doctor about it. Yeah, it's my chance. What about you? Mine is similar. It's in the physical realm. Uh, my chatsum is just just yoga. I don't think I've chatsumed yoga before. If I have, then I'm rechatsuming yoga. The thing is, so I get to do yoga once a week, Wednesday night with all the girlies over at the Y, my local Y. And uh, it's so good because I always think like, I'm tired. I don't want to go to the gym at six o'clock and do stretches and stupid shit. And then I almost every single week end up like almost in tears of joy by the end. Because you got to move your body. You got to stretch. We watch it. We stare at computers all day. It feels so good. And I'm like, I can't do these poses. I'm a failure. And then my wonderful instructor, Rhiannon, is like, it's about doing what's within your practice. It's not about doing what everyone else is doing or uh-huh. pushing yourself as hard as you can like so much other uh-huh. uh, parts of life are. It's about uh-huh. doing what's within your practice. And if that. you can do that, you can do it from home. If you have a mat so that you don't hurt your hands and feet, that's great. If you don't, use a carpet. Just do some yoga. Do a little stretchy. You can't take yeah. care of your body, I think, is the overall chat some this week. And play Zelda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Magellan for being the din to my Nehru because we're both blue and red. And thank you to you all for listening to Chats in a Pickle. Bye. Bye-bye.